our Sufjan <laughs> September coming soon. We're fitting every single one of we're Sufjan. Oh my god, Sufjan that would take forever. Song. Are we including the Christmas albums? <laughs> yes. Of course. His ballet score. <laughs> the the, the solar system. Yeah, it, it, yeah. Don't shift your way. Don't stare. And for God's sake, whatever you do, Hello, and welcome to March Bradness. I'm Sarah. I'm Hannah, and this is the world's only March Madness-style Brad Pitt-themed podcast, where we're pitting every one of Brad Pitt's movies against one another in a quest to find... <gasps> the ultimate Brad. Um, this week, we're not doing a pitting, though. We're just doing a review. So uh, It's like our Once Upon a Time episode, except yeah. for Ad Astra, because Brad is knocking him out of the park. Can I just say... Uh, I think that was like our best intro ever, except for the fact that I'm sick and I sound like a goblin. Like we like it was so smooth and that was our first try. And like, wow, I love it. We so rarely do it on the first try. I know. Usually one of us is like, I don't know. We forget which order to speak in. I'm like, I'm Hannah. I don't think I've ever said that, but I've come close. Amazing. Um, Yeah. No, Brad has been working. He's been making up for it. Do you think he's saving for retirement? Hmm. He did have that interview where he was like, acting's a young man's game, and I'm kind of, yeah. I kind of want to slow down. And at first I was like, no, Brad. And then I was like, I respect it. And then I saw I Ad Astra, like and I was like, I get it. I think he's, I think he's building a nest egg because he spent all his money on houses and divorce. <laughs> it's true. That explains a war machine. Oh God, we don't talk about war machine in this house. <laughs> Yes, we do. I, for- I forget that that happened, to be honest. Me too. I'm like, Brad hasn't been in a movie for a while. And I think everybody oh, is like, Brad hasn't been in a movie for a while. And then it's like, oh, wait. <laughs> Everyone's just being polite and not talking about it. I, don't I think respect. he appreciates it. Yeah, I think so, too. <laughs> we all have our war machines. Mm-hmm. I feel like we should address off the bat that we are not pitting Ad Astra against Once Upon a Time in Hollywood yet. Yet. We will do this. I don't know what we'll do about the bracket, but we will... We'll just sandwich it in there, maybe. I yeah, don't know. we probably might do some cheating. Because honestly, well, we'll see how this all unfolds. But <laughs> this is just a review. Of course, we will be talking mostly about Brad's performance. But yeah. <laughs> uh, you stress me out so much sometimes. <laughs> Hannah is level 10 stressed that I am going to disagree about Ad Astra. I feel like this has been causing you psychic damage. I swear (laughs) to God, I like I'm having an anxiety attack before every recording. I'm like, okay, Hannah, it's going to be fine. This isn't going to ruin your friendship. It's going to be okay. And then I get like, I'm like having heart palpitations. (laughs) This is why I don't have opinions about things, because it stresses me out that people could disagree with me. What are we going to do with you? <laughs> I am. Um, <laughs> no, I know. I know you've been very concerned about this. I know it's probably been keeping you up at night. Uh, let me start this out by saying, without saying anything to Sarah, I pitched to several major media publications, uh, Ad Astra is Brad Pitt's masterpiece, and he could retire from acting and I would be okay with it, basically, was my thesis. <laughs> Yeah, I agree with that. Like, fucking his little under-eye muscles. 
the whole time. You know, his eye bags were twitching. <laughs> he was getting his under eye reps. I didn't notice that. In 2009, when I thought I knew anything about media, I spent a lot of time talking about Jesse Eisenberg's performance in The Social Network and how he should have won the Oscar for it because true film acting comes from the face and what you don't say rather than regular acting where it's all about like saying words and gesturing because uh-huh. the importance of the camera is like it affords that intimacy where you can get really close and see the emotions without having to use words right uh and i stand by that yeah. i don't know who i plagiarized that from but <laughs> i spent a lot of ad aster thinking about that because we had a lot of really tight shots on brad's face and his little eyeballs were twitching <laughs> That's really interesting. I feel like that makes sense and is like opposite to like plays like theater or um, also I'm thinking like animation and cartoons where like it's the you want to be like as exaggerated as possible. Um, But yeah, a movie is a little quieter. Unless it's a movie with a lot of explosions, but then it's just a live action cartoon. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. You could do something interesting with that. Like I'm thinking about Marvel. Yeah, and I think that's like a lot of like, because that's what I really like about film. Like, I watched Rachel getting married a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. That was amazing. Mm-hmm. And it was just, like, nothing happened. Everyone's really tense about everything. Uh-huh. And no one ever, like, did anything. And it was great. I love it. I fucking love movies where nothing fucking happens. And I will say my least favorite parts of Ad Astro were the parts where things happened. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck is up with this monkey? Why are we having explosions? Fucking stop. Just put Brad in the solitary. <laughs> should we we should probably explain the plot of Ad Astra because I feel like there are people that probably listen to this that don't care you know what I mean yeah uh if you haven't watched it go watch it or don't I don't care do your thing okay Ad Astra is the story of Brad Pitt uh on a quest to find his father who disappeared at space when Brad was 16. Um, Brad, following in his father's footsteps, also became an astronaut and is sent on a quest to find his father when the Earth starts getting hit with these electrical storms that are coming from like dark matter out past Neptune, which is where his father disappeared. So they're like, we're going to send you out and you're going to try to talk to your dad because we think he's still alive. Um, Brad is a very kind of stoic, reserved character, so it's about his kind of emotional journey to go try to reconnect with his father. Uh, there are some space monkeys along the way and um, moon pirates, which was very cool. And um, yeah, he goes to the moon, he goes to Mars, and then he eventually makes it out. He steals a spaceship, kills some people, following in his father's footsteps as his dad also killed his crew. And... Um, makes it to where his father is stationed out past Neptune. Um, His father this whole time has been on a quest to find aliens, uh, has been driven mad by isolation, and um, then Brad tries to get his dad to go back, but his dad doesn't want to go back, so his dad flies off into space, and Brad gets back home, where he vows to connect with others and live another normal life. The end. How is that? That was good. That was succinct. Thank you. Uh, you didn't go on any tangents like I definitely did. <laughs> I think you were the right man for the job. Thank you. Um, yeah, I really liked the part, just to jump straight in, the space military was like, Brad, we have to send you domestic to the moon. And I really liked those implications. And then on his domestic space flight to the moon, he was like, can I have the pillow and blanket pack, please? And she says, 
yep, it'll be $150. And he was like, okay. And then he scanned his hand. Like the future. The future. I was thinking like, is it that expensive because it's moon travel or because of inflation? Either I thought way, it was inflation for sure. Brad seemed completely unfazed. No, the world building was like fantastic. I loved how they it felt like it was set up. Like when he got to the moon, they were talking about how it was like um, disputed territory and there were like moon mm-hmm. wars going on over like they were trying mm-hmm. to mine the moon and there were moon pirates and um, it was like the Wild West. But then the part where you go from air travel was like very like commercialized. Like, yeah. It was like Futurama. Yeah, it really was. It was literally Futurama. That, that part I was like, hey, now. Yeah, and then you go to like Mars, and it was like distant, less populated, like mostly scientists and stuff, but there were still people living there um, that had been like born on Mars. Yeah, Ruth Naga. Yeah. As seen in World War Z. She was fucking awesome in that, and all I could think was like, wow, this is Hannah's style icon. I was thinking that the whole time, too. I was like, how do I dress like that? <laughs> but also then she just dressed like my mom, so. Yeah, she's just wearing all black and like kind of loose clothes. Uh, Ruth Nega, amazing in this, and she played basically the same role as the one that she played in World War Z, too. I did not but realize that that was her. It's okay, your face. Thank blind. you. Also, she had a really short haircut in this one, and she had more hair in World okay, War Z. Okay, I'm going to drop my face blind tidbit, which is that when I left this movie, there was a homeless man sitting on a bench outside the theater, and I did the world's biggest double take because I thought it was Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> dressed up like in character from Ad Astra and my head turned around. I thought he was sitting outside the theater to like prank people that had seen the movie and I was like oh my maybe he did (laughs) maybe it maybe it was maybe it was like because it was like uh, Brad Pitt in that interview he just did for whatever it was um, Esquire GQ or whatever was like People don't recognize that you're famous unless other people are acting like you're famous. So don't walk with me when I walk into this crowd. It's true. Maybe it was. I'm going to say that it was. Um, yeah. Brad was amazing in this. This is like the most Brad has ever starred in a movie, right? Yeah, I think so. I think in terms of like volume of screen yeah. time for an ensemble yeah. actor, he's... Because, I mean, Fight Club, it was like Edward Norton, 50-50 probably more than that maybe 12 monkeys Mm -hmm. but even no because we were jumping around no because 12 monkeys was bruce Bruce willis i don't know i was most impressed and i was thinking about this on the drive back so brad in this movie is like i don't know if they're officially divorced but like he was married but he's got no kids and the whole thing is about him trying to find this his dad i feel like he super super came across as like young and looking for answers and like kind of I guess emotionally immature and like this I I, I believe that he wasn't a dad really really strongly which yeah is kind of a distinction that it's like you know how I don't know there's just like parents are different you know what I mean when you meet somebody that has yeah, kids no, you can, there's, yeah. there's a difference and like Brad convinced me that he did not have kids and like it wasn't yeah. something that I would have thought of while watching the movie but afterwards I was like i believed that character so thoroughly like he seemed young like he seemed like a kid Mm -hmm. I know he was like in his 40s like in the movie but like he seemed like the child of the father you know what I mean like that was his role in the movie was to be the child looking for the father and he seemed like that 
And I don't know how he did that because yeah. normally he seems like he's the man. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I thought that was really interesting. And I think that I didn't necessarily think about that while I was watching it or even after it because I was so taken aback by how much it felt like there was one monologue and I wish to God that I remembered exactly what he said, but it felt so much like he was speaking like to his own mm-hmm. children. Like I felt like he was speaking as Brad Pitt to like huh. Maddox after like all of like the shit that he put the kids uh-huh. through and like that he was very much like asking for forgiveness for like being a bad Whoa. parent um but like i think that that's a really interesting point that you made and like i don't think you ever really think of characters as being like children mm-hmm. of people even like kid characters yeah. like you're not like oh that is someone's yeah, child especially like an adult child i yeah. mean that's really interesting because it, it was yeah about, and i think it was just about his relationship with his father not really about his relationship with other people even though that was like a point of strain for him in the movie the whole thing felt really tied to like his relationship with his dad like you were always aware of that or thinking about that and like he just seemed like yeah. really lost and vulnerable the whole time yeah and i think it's really interesting that like a recurring motif throughout the film is he's doing these like psychological profiles where he's basically like submitting his current state to the government to like prove that he's like fit to continue with his missions, etc. And like he keeps passing them when like you as a person watching are like, this is not a well <laughs> yes. This is not a psychologically this fit is a man. This unhappy man. Which I think is interesting, especially like looking at how it is sort of like an exploration of toxic masculinity mm-hmm. and like i don't know if it's necessarily an exploration of like toxic masculinity uh-huh. so much as just like masculinity as a concept yeah yeah i i feel like toxic masculinity implies a certain amount of like chest pumping violence kind of deal whereas this felt more like an exploration of like boys aren't allowed to have yeah feelings. no i i totally totally know what you're saying though because it was the emotional distance and, like, his relationship with his dad did seem distinctly like a father thing. Like, it it, it was very much a relationship about, like, him and his father. Like, mm-hmm. going into this, I was, like, dragging my feet to see it because I'm just, like, I was just, like, I could not care less about a f- relationship between a father and son. Like, that does not interest me. But watching it, it didn't feel like this is a boy's movie you know what I mean it wasn't like this is a relationship Mm -hmm. about a boy and his father as much as it was like this is about a a a messed up relationship with a father and like if I'm allowed to say this Hannah on the podcast I I knew that you had seemed really attached to it and I was like there's something going on you know I was like I'm very curious to find out what this is but watching this I was like oh my god this is just Hannah and her dad (laughs) this is a movie about (laughs) Hannah's dad (laughs) I think that, and I think that's interesting because, like, I still don't think that I've, like, synthesized those thoughts and feelings Mm -hmm. about it, like, until now, so I'm going to do it live on the air. Um, But, yeah, I think that there's definitely something going on to, like, that all throughout the movie, Brad Pitt, like, continues to be told by other space folk that, like, oh, your dad is a legend, like, he's why I got into this, blah, 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 and, like, very much looking at, like, your own potential compared to the expected potential of Mm -hmm. your parents and then like the failings of your parents and their Mm -hmm. potential and then even further into like your parents descending into like instability Mm -hmm. and realizing just like that not only are they people but they are unwell Mm -hmm. people I think is like 
definitely really intense and like definitely the idea that like if only I can get through to you and like we can fix this and I know that you can fix it don't you like why won't you do mm-hmm. that for me is definitely like intense. definitely <laughs> I'm sure and a lot of the I'm movie. sure I think there was also a lot of like for Brad like fear of like following in his father's footsteps and like yeah there was that really interesting thing between like he didn't know whether to swing between admiration and then like the hurt that his father had left and like his pulse rate had never gone above like 80 beats per minute the whole time even when he was like dealing with like Mm -hmm. disasters and like falling from a space station and they were like wow how do you do it but then it was like as soon as his father was mentioned he like his pulse rate went up and they were like you're not stable you're not fit for the mission like you're too attached to this and yeah which is then interesting because it's like dovetailing back into the whole masculinity thing it's like let the man have a feeling (laughs) no feelings allowed on mars um no it's definitely really interesting and then it's really interesting just like i don't know like the way when he's like being asked questions about his dad and they're like asking him like oh like how do you feel about doing this mission do you think you could do it he's like well you know my dad was a great man and like just totally like avoiding all sorts of questions about like how he's actually feeling yeah it was it was It was intense. It was, like, a very upsetting movie in that regard in that, like, Brad had this, like, yeah, huge, like, inability to be close to people and this distance this whole time. And then, like, when he found his dad, his dad was, like... Oof. (laughs) It's a fucking bummer. His dad was, like... I mean, you could tell he was hoping for a reunion or some kind of like reconciliation but the dad was just like I never thought about you and like Brad (laughs) sheds a single tear (laughs) I liked that shot a lot there was like no reaction on his face but just like a single tear came out which I would like to think was real and not prompted by like an eye drop or anything right I don't I don't think those were artificial tears I think that Brad can cry a single tear on command I think to be a leading man in the 90s, that was, like, had to be part of your resume. Like, you know how actor resumes are always, like, special skills. (laughs) Juggling. Knife throwing. Yes. Irish accent. Can cry on command. Single tear. He was thinking about either LCD sound system, someone great, or he was thinking about um, Taylor Swift's Soon You'll Get Better. (laughs) Yeah, I don't, I, I just, like, I feel like so much of and I was thinking about this while I was writing a thing about it but it's like I feel like so much of Brad Pitt's career has been tackling like these concepts Uh of masculinity and I think especially like his dramatic career has come to a sort of Mm -hmm. synthesis with this and I think he's tackling a lot of like what does it mean to be a parent what does it mean to be burdened Mm -hmm. by expectation what does it mean to have to like make these sacrifices Mm -hmm. for a greater good and like what kind of like nuance is there to masculinity? Like, I feel like he's been exploring that nuance uh-huh. through his career. And like, even as early as like Johnny Swade, where we have uh-huh. the worst man and everyone knows he is the worst man. He's like played these characters with a certain amount of like yes. wink to the audience of like, yes. this guy's a shithead. No, very much so. I feel like Brad is very conscious about who he is as a person how he's coming across, like, what he's saying with the roles that he plays and even the roles he chooses, you know? I mean, like, Fight Club is a great example of, like, this very strange, misunderstood look at toxic masculinity. Yeah, for sure. Like, I don't know, Fight Club is so hard, too, because it's just gotten I know, so misconstrued. I know, but I feel like Brad's like, intention with that role, you know what I mean, was... Yeah, no, for sure. Like, I think 
I'm I'm number one. David Fincher <laughs> hates men. Fight Club hates men. You're yes, all watching it I wrong. Agree. You know. I was thinking about this role specifically. I, I don't know why. I just kept thinking about World War Z, even though we just voted it out, being like, he's not great in it, and he's not. But like that protective nature that we usually see in Brad films, where it's very much like Brad is the dad. Like that to me felt so different. Like yeah. I just don't think I've ever seen Brad so vulnerable. He just seemed so, like, he needed an adult. The whole movie, I was just like, Brad needs an adult. Yeah, and he had an adult, and then his adult had a heart attack, and also his adult wasn't really here for him. Brad just needed, like, a chaperone or something. He just was so... Brad needs to go home, and he needs to sit on his future bed and pull up his embedded iPad and watch some Brene Brown (laughs) TED Talks about vulnerability. (laughs) That was... This is me saying this to Brad, and this is my therapist saying very this niche. to me. That was very, very niche. So, uh, Brittany, friend of the show, a former guest on the podcast, has access to the original script before it was edited for movies. There's a word for that, but I don't know what it is. Um, and apparently, he was originally intended to have Asperger's um, to the point where it was going to be like the subtitle to the movie. Like, it was going to be a major selling point of the movie, Hmm. um, and it got cut along the way. But hearing that, I was like, and I don't feel very qualified to speak on this, but that really checked out for me. That's really interesting. I was thinking about the scene when he was walking through the space station at the beginning, and his coworkers were all kind of, like, trying to interact with him, and he was, like, behind his Mm -hmm. space helmet. He had the, the mask closed and was just, like, going right through and was talking about, like, this distance that he feels from people. And like, yeah, that checked out. I mean, it also checked out in the reading of like his relationship with his dad. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was interesting. And it made me curious as to like why that would be cut. I don't know if Hollywood was just like, people won't like this. <laughs> I feel like Hollywood would. I feel like Hollywood would be like, they'd be like, and so Brad Pitt plays an astronaut and he's on a quest to find his dad, but also he has Asperger's. And then the Hollywood exec with his cigar is like... You mean like Sheldon <laughs> from the Big Bang Theory? Exactly. And they're like, no, 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 no. And he's like, is Brad Pitt going to be saying bazinga? <laughs> so what? He doesn't fuck his wife? Just like, well, no, but for other reasons. Exactly. So she's going to be reading the script and she's going to watch it again and she's going to see what changed and see if they like cut anything significant. And we might have a bonus episode. Interesting. I'm, I'm interested curious, to see. But. I think he's going to win an Oscar for this movie. I really want Brad <laughs> Pitt to win so two good. Oscars no, this year, No, he, he, he was so good in this. He was so good. I re- it was very subtle. It was understated. It never felt corny for the amount of like voiceovers that he did. Um, I felt like it was a little heavy-handed. Um, like there were times when, especially mm-hmm. like at the end when he was like tether- he was literally tethered to his father, and then he had to unclip him because yeah. the dad was trying to pull him into Neptune. And, like, the dad was like, you have to let me go, son. Like, there were a couple moments where I was like, you don't have to say it. It's already so obvious. Like, the metaphors are out the wazoo. Yeah. And then I also felt like some of the, like, sci-fi storytelling was, like, the world building was fantastic. But I felt like when, like, the U.S. generals were like, oh, it's antimatter taking over the world. You have 20 days or everything will be destroyed. Like, that was very corny. I, I fully agree with you there where it was like the world building was good for sure, for sure. 
But then, like I said earlier, when things had to happen in a specific yeah, way, it was just like, it was what? not yeah, great. The monkey thing, too. Yeah, the monkey thing was like, what? <laughs> it was just like, why is there like a monkey? Maybe that was another Hollywood exec I feel thing. like it was like a Hollywood exec thing where they're like, so you mean nothing happens, son? And they're like, yeah, it's a beautiful right. internal drama about father and son, man connecting with himself and others. And they're like... I think you need to throw a baboon in there. face gets eaten. You know, Space Pirates, you're on a good... We gotta get we more of that. Because the Space Pirates is cool. That Mad Max yeah. moment. And then when Brad was like, oh, that man had a son. And then he was like, I never had kids. Exactly. shit that like was this happens. That was cool. The monkeys didn't tie into anything. And then, like, yeah, there were just a couple clips of violence that felt really weirdly out of place. Like when that lady... Sm- smashed into the thing and i don't know they just like felt like a different movie yeah like, this doesn't belong here yeah definitely oh dang yeah then there was the part where he was like on his journey to neptune and um it was something like three months of isolation and he started to go a little a little started seeing things and uh yeah get a little spooky i was disappointed he didn't skype the wife from space i was promised this was a <laughs> skype the wife movie and it very much was the opposite the problem was didn't. he didn't but skype he did the wife from space the end. i was very glad my mom I know. when i was talking to her after the movie to be like mom i got laid off um i told her i saw ad astra and she was like should i see it and i was like man i don't know because it's very much like i don't know if you'll like this or not mom but uh she said does it have a happy ending and I was like, this is the, t- the type of movie that I'm absolutely going to spoil for you and say that, yes, it had a happy ending because, like, that'll get you through a lot, you know? Because I, wor- I was worried, too. I was yeah. like, I could see this being, like, really depressing, and then they both go off into Neptune. But I'm really glad that it was, like, they redeemed him. Definitely. No, I think that was really good and really powerful. I think that it was really important because it's, like, the dad comes to the conclusion that, like, we are alone in the universe, and that gets rid of, like that existential hope you know and like forces brad to focus he's like i have no other sort of like escape from this i have to focus on my relationships Mm -hmm. with the people around me and i think that's definitely important message but also (laughs) aliens aliens are real real. but like suck on that tommy lee jones existential thing that's like sadder to me than the possibility of there not being aliens i know i know it's like i don't know it's just i feel like this movie like like stuck the landing on like a very specific yeah, sort no, of existential totally. ennui. I think it almost does it a disservice to sort of blanket statement that it's yeah. a movie about toxic masculinity because like definitely that's a huge component on it and definitely I'm the only person <laughs> in the world that was sold off of that. Brad Pitt's space toxic masculinity movie. Boy, how do you sign me the fuck up? This movie was this movie. They like took a scan of my brain and they're like. Hannah. I know. When I was watching it, I was just like, this explains everything. Because I just had known something was up. I was like, what is <laughs> she's being so defensive of this movie? And I knew you were like nervous about how I would feel. <laughs> I was like, immediately, I was like, oh. <laughs> we'll yeah. throw Natasha Leone in there. Yes. Ruth Nega is going to dress really good. Space Moon, there's going to be an Applebee's in the background for a funny haha. I didn't see that. Oh, oh, and then there was the really fucking cool shot that I knew that you were also nutting over when, um, what's her name, Ruth? Yeah, or no, in the, the Mars room. When the lights, she became silhouetted, the lights were going like boom, 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 back in the hallway. <laughs> Hannah's nodding enthusiastically. Yeah, that happened, and I was like, oh my god. That was after yeah. I saw her outfit, and I was like, oh my god, it's Hannah. <laughs> what I really yeah, liked I about so. this movie, too, was that um, like I felt like all the spaces that they went to felt pretty distinct, you know? Like, they were traveling from ship to ship, and like, because 
that mm-hmm. sci-fi can get really boring. Like I love the concept of a movie taking place in space when they're always on the same goddamn ship and you're just like, this is ugly. They did a good job of being like, okay, now we're yeah. on Mars. Like now we're going into this bunker. Like now we're on a rocket. I also felt like it was kind of the same thing we already talked about, about the moments of cheesiness, but like this was so relatable. I felt like this is like me trying to write sci-fi where it's like, what's the problem? Um, antimatter is like trying to eat the whole universe. How do we fix it? Uh, just like blow it up. I don't know. <laughs> no, for sure. It was just like, I feel like there could have been a better, like yeah. I understand there had to be an inciting incident. But yeah, like, oh, totally. Because it was it just made no one. sense. It was like, it was like, um, how in Avatar, the the uh, material they need to retri- like retrieve from the blue people planet is exactly. unobtainium. But then it was also kind of comforting to me because I was like, you know, it really doesn't matter what is happening as long as it's acting as like a vehicle to move the story. Like nobody's really going to be like, I want to know the yeah. science behind it. God, it's been a good year for Brad. I really do think that we will need to pit these movies against one another and then slot them in somewhere because they deserve it. This movie would beat out a lot. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Like, it's, like, really great. And it's just, like, getting into, like, Brad as a performer and Brad mm-hmm. as, like, a person who is now in his, like, middle age, like, decidedly middle age. And, like, what does that mean? And, like, God, I don't know. He was just so good. I don't really have much more to to say um yeah thank you for listening i appreciate it you can listen to us on marchbroadness.net through apple podcasts through acast or stitcher um you don't need stitcher premium or anything you can just regular regular money you can follow us on twitter at marchbroadness you can follow us on uh, facebook also marchbroadness uh you can follow us on instagram at march.bradness mm-hmm. Until Thank you so much for time. listening. Oh, yeah. Also, we I love totally you very didn't much. say that we went out of order from what we said we were going to do, but you already figured that out. Uh, week after next is when you will be graced with our next pitting, which we already recorded, and that is Happy Feet 2 versus uh, The Mexican. I know you can't wait to hear it. All right. Oh, bye. ASMR. <laughs>